Welcome to the Trend Detection Podcast, powered by Sensei, an industry leader in using AI to drive scalable and sustainable asset performance and reliability. For this three-part series, I'm joined by Peter Schopf, Head of Sales for EMEA at Siemens Mindsphere, to discuss IoT and the upcoming technologies to look out for in the future. In the first episode of this series, we discuss why IoT is the plumbing of digital transformation projects and why augmented reality and other technologies are starting to become more prominent. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode or this series of the Trend Detection Podcast. Um, I'm really delighted to invite one of my um, new Siemens colleagues, actually, to, to the podcast today, Peter Schopf, who um, who's worked at Siemens a very very long time and is very active on LinkedIn. If you've um, if you follow LinkedIn at all, you'd, you'd have seen a lot of his posts around IoT and industrial IoT as well. So definitely check that out afterwards. But for now, we're going to have a really interesting conversation on that topic and some of Peter's experiences working at Siemens and beyond. So if I just start by asking Peter just to introduce yourself briefly to the audience, that'd be great. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Niall, for having me here. And thanks also to the audience for listening in. I'm very keen on also yeah, discussing some of the topics and sharing some of the insights that we have collected throughout the, the years now in the past in terms of digitalization, IoT and else. So, but quickly about myself. Yeah, as you said, I've been with Siemens for quite some time. It's, I think now more than 14 years. Uh, so in various management and strategic and leadership positions. Currently, I'm leading the sales team of EMEA for Mindsphere. Mindsphere is the IoT cloud-based IoT solution from Siemens. Um, and uh, I think we are going to talk about that quite quite a lot. Uh, in private life, basically, I'm I'm 40 years old. I have two beautiful daughters. I have as hobby project, basically, I'm writing a PhD about extended reality uh, implementation and how to design that. Um, I just recently found a one-man consulting company, also talking about digitalization topics. And well, that's pretty much about myself. Oh, fantastic. And from that background, you're the perfect person for this podcast. So um, a perfect guest. So it's great to have you on board. Um, and actually, it'd be a good place to start. You mentioned about your, your PhD in extended reality. How does that, I guess, I don't know how far you are into that, but how does that um, reflect in your current role at Siemens as well? How does that help inform that? Or does it? Yeah, okay. yeah well, I, I do want to bring that together because, um, I mean, when we talk about IoT, it's it's kind of the plumbing. It's kind of the start into digitalization industry 4.0 concepts. So, so that's, that's I think, driving a lot of those topics when you think about industry 4.0, what, what it is all about. And then uh, extended reality is something, it's basically also a hobby project I have within Siemens. We have started five years ago with, with a project I cannot talk too much about uh, because it's not yet an official product, uh, but which addresses exactly those topics. Yeah? How can I use augmented reality and then also virtual reality eventually to be able to interact in the shop floor environment. Yeah, to, what, what is really key is to gain easy access to information and information of all kinds of all types in the shop floor. And one important information obviously is IoT data. Uh, when we look into the future, how do you interact with machines? Yeah, when machines really are talking to each other, when the internet of things is really established in the shop floor and machines try to optimize each other, 
um, then, then then what's the human role in that? And I think then extended reality plays a major role because it's just the most intuitive way to interact with all kinds of information, all kinds of knowledge, and also machine data, knowledge, and what's happening on the shop floor. So it will converge. It's not, it's currently, it's a little bit separate. Oh, very, very interesting. And is this something that uh, customers you speak to, are they aware of this sort of technology? I know it's still not probably, well, from my point of view, anyway, it's not widespread or wide, probably widely known, but I was just wondering whether people you speak to are aware of this and aware that it's sort of coming on the horizon, I guess. Yeah, companies are aware. Currently, I mean, there was a little bit more hype around it potentially. I mean, when we look at Gardner hype cycle, yeah, and, that, and it also has been boiling for quite some time, especially topics like augmented reality and virtual reality. Um, now, they have not been yet established in on a large scale in, in shop floor environments uh, due to many reasons, uh, ease of use uh, being probably one of the major ones. Uh, but still, I mean, in terms of also this metaverse discussion, which I'm very keen about and potentially we can touch upon, um, that that is playing a major, um, an increasing role, let's put it that way. And uh, we have also uh, one of our major competitors, uh, he is very much pushing that topic. So the other day I was really surprised that one of our customers really demanded augmented reality as a solution as part of an IoT project. That that was news to me, uh, I do admit. and. Um, yeah, had an impact on the decision, the decision of the customer. That's interesting that those that's coming up in conversation. But I guess the, does you have to build these these type of things in stages? I guess you can't just go all in on augmented reality before you've got some building blocks in place. I know that seems like an exactly. obvious question, but I thought I'd ask it. <laughs> just absolutely, and and it's really something where I think um, I mean it, it's kind of a it's not. It's not going to be a revolution. It's going to be an evolution, and you will have 2D tools and access to information for a very long time. Yeah? So how we currently approach it, that we have then a mix, a blend out of regular 2D information that you have, for example, on your tablet, and when it makes sense in specific cases where you, for example, want to have localized information that is only attached to that machine, you then swap and switch to an augmented reality environment that gives you then the right information at the right location, for example. And this can be then an IoT dashboard done with MindSphere, yeah, with all the data that you require. And it's just floating in midair uh, above your machine. So things like that to make it very intuitive and easy to access information at the right place instead of kind of trying to dig into the sub-menus of uh, your applications or jumping from application to application. Um, that is really key, I think, in that case. And, it, and again, with these types, because obviously there's um, terminology like AI, uh, and AI is a common one, but it's probably becoming more mainstream now more than anything, especially with tools like Sensei. But is something like augmented reality, do, do, um, do, do certain customers or um, people you speak to, is there sort of a that that old afraid of the unknown, of the new, of on a, you know, and the, the typical, is it taking my job and all, all that kind of stuff? Is there a bit of trepidation there or is there a bit more intrigue and excitement? for that uh, for augmented reality i think that that's quite clear that's not going to take any job away uh, because it's just <laughs> it's an interface yeah it's not it's not more and also not much less it's kind of the, from my perspective it's going to be the most intuitive interface there is for information and knowledge access but it's not there at the moment and therefore it's more excitement people kind of want to understand what's new most of it um, most of them 
which I talk at least about that. And uh, so it's kind of this excitement about the new things and about, well, it's augmented, augmenting the people. Yeah, It's not doing something else. AI is a different topic. Yeah, So that's um, from a kind of taking job perspective, definitely something else. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to go dive back i guess we'll, we'll start from the very beginning about industrial iot and it's a very sort of broad question i want to start with so we can sort of dive into some of the detail but so what what does industrial industrial iot mean mean to you peter and so kind of on a concept phase that's really the entry point to digitalization when you think about it it's it's kind of the plumbing that you need as it's it's connecting your machines getting their data and then doing th stuff with that data. So um, unfortunately, that, that's not so intuitive what to do then. Uh, that's why also many companies struggle. I mean, however, it's still required. And from a journey perspective, so we really have this, well, you need to start at some point and you need to start getting the data. And at, at the beginning, it's very hard to create a lot of value. Uh, there are some kind of these initial encounterings of hey here i find some savings there i find some inefficiencies but it's kind of un, un, ad hoc and a little bit unplanned because what is not working many companies are looking for kind of the killer use case the one big gold bar of hey this use case is paying all my digitalization efforts um, and that's very often not working because it's really kind of more like collecting gold dust so you have a handful of gold at the end as well but these little gold particles they're really not so easy to plan now for example I'll give you two examples um one of my colleagues um customers and also colleague um told me the other day about their introduction of energy management on the shop floor and i mean they they then started collecting the energy data realizing how much they spent in the standby mode for their machines that has been not clear to them and it was something really where they they just by this simple realization could save uh, i think he said twenty thousand euros per year just by switching off the standby motors once in a while for some of the machines for example because the air pressure and stuff like that was just not required such easy and simple realizations they happen at the beginning and it's just kind of this gold dust selection yeah and and then bigger and more complicated use cases where you correlate then the energy data with the production data and then you start to improve your quality by by looking at these combined uh, data factors Th that is taking time yeah? that is that needs to train algorithms that needs to try uh, consider a lot of the uh, interconnectivities between machines processes and and uh, influencing factors from different sensors and therefore many companies struggle at the beginning and never get to that the possibility to interrelate all these these data sources. That's very interesting. And talking about data, um, I mean, how much? I mean, it was interesting you talked there about having different data sets to build. I guess it's about building additional context on top of each other to build a better picture. If we're talking asset specific here, sort of in the Sensei case, but um, but how, how much data do you really need to get started with a like an IoT program? Is it is it lots of data? Is it a small amount of better quality data? I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that. It always depends, yeah, as yeah. many people like to say, yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> so I mean what is a very intuitive use case is energy monitoring. Also you 
collect the energy data from your shop floor. And you can do that on different levels. I mean, you can start as easily as how much energy energy is going into the plant, how much energy do I use? Yeah, that, that is the first level, kind of the plant level. And then you break it down in for lines, for example, how much energy does the line use? And then you break it down to single machines and then maybe to single aspects of the machine. So it is really easy to start on a higher level and then you start going more granular. Um, therefore, starting is easy, but you need to continue. And it might be that at the beginning, the more generic data does not yet help you much. And so it's it's in many data sources. For example, one of the major KPIs that, that is used in the industry is OEE, overall equipment effectiveness. So this is kind of a key topic where you interrelate different KPIs, yeah, like about quality and performance, and then you even break them down further on how, how do you get those KPIs, how you do calculate them, but they are aggregated then very nicely in, in one figure. And that's that's a very strong topic if you have if you want to have an overview um, and you can start small, you can start large, that's actually up to the ambition level. You should not start too small. Now, very often we realize that companies start a little bit too careful yeah, with these small proof of concepts. They just want to see how the machine is connected. But at the same time, somehow they also want to return an investment. And so this is sometimes a little bit contradictory. So I, I strongly believe that this whole topic, digitalization, needs to be understood on a strategic level, on, on the management level of a company. Because only if they understand why digitalization is required, they also put it on, on a priority level that is then addressing the right resources and else. We had many projects where some people that understood, but on a working level, that something is upcoming and they started kind of submarine projects yeah, where nobody really was aware of with very small budgets. And then they got to some point and then they got shifted away, kind of changed the job or something like that. And, and the project again stopped. Yeah, And many, many of those cases. So I really think companies need to understand why digitalization is relevant. And then the strategic importance correspondingly will provide basically the continuity such a project requires because it takes time. No, no, of course. And that's interesting. What, what you, well, there's a couple of points to, to pick out there. Certainly on the, the pilot proof of concept, I think that's definitely a challenge from a Sensei perspective is to, you know, let's start small with a small number and see how we go for six months and stuff. But a lot of these initiatives, if you want to call them proof of concept, but really they've got, from you know, from a sensor perspective, it would be a minimum of like a year and a, 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 a minimum number of assets. So you could call it a pilot if you want, but they've still they've got to be some fixed metrics there. Otherwise, everyone's wasting their time, I guess, in, in a lot of respects because everyone, you know, they know that there, there won't be a lot of success to be able to shown in six months, but in a year's time, identifying the right assets or the right areas to to monitor, working with you know vendor and customer then that's when the real results can shine through. Absolutely. And we also have these examples on the on the just IoT side with our solutions. Um, what what very often happens, and, and people, companies are not aware of that upfront, is that there's change monitoring required. I mean, just having data, also analyze data, does not help as long as you don't change your processes, change your production behavior, change the people um, in in their thinking and in how they, they act and do 
things. And and change management always is kind of met with resistance. And this resistance is sometimes more, sometimes less. Also, we had a big automotive uh, supplier who really said, well, yes, we, we are going to do a big project. But it was kind of top down. And the, the medium, mid-level, they... They struggled and also had different priorities, and then they had partially their own solutions, which they they wanted to keep and nurture. And they thought, okay, that's going to be a threat for my own solution, which I have built up for some time, which mm-hmm. doesn't lead anywhere, but I, I have it. And, and so um, these these personal issues, um, in that case, really ended up that after one year, um, then suddenly there was a change in management, and the project was stopped. And well all the effort wasted basically you know, because of political changes uh, in landscape and the, the planning horizon was just too short. Uh, and um, also the, the understanding of why digital transformation is required and, and what the outcome should be was not distributed across all levels. So there is really several things that can go wrong. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm very keen talking about it. So I'm actually happy that you invited me. No, no and that's what we do. We're trying to sort of, because I think, sometimes and we do actually a regular um a regular event where we i bring my colleague on and that ford who talks about some of the truths around obviously predicting maintenance in that in that case because i think there's a lot of mis- misconceptions i think um maybe i mean you could you could probably tell me better but sort of on the the iot side i guess that maybe there's a lot of misconception that it's that uh, maybe people think about the technology it's like oh yeah let's just put some technology in but they don't actually think about you know the resources and the and the culture side and who needs to be engaged with the project in order for it to be successful i get do you from what you're saying then i guess that that's exactly what what you see as well yeah no absolutely and and there's several misconceptions like another one for example as you said the resources how much resources do i require i mean when Many times uh, when we talk to customers, especially larger customers, they they think of a hey, I can build it myself kind of solution uh, or or the buy solution. So I, I go to a big vendor like like Siemens with our industrial IoT solutions um, and, and take it from there. Why is that so? Yeah, why do they very often actually decide for a buy solution, which is from our also experience in the last years a, a big mistake for most of the issues and most of the cases. It's also because, for example, they asked the IT department. That that is a very interesting target conflict that you, as a company, should be aware of. Uh, normally, if the business says, "Yeah, well, we want to go into IT, uh, IoT," uh, who do we ask? Well, of course, our IT experts, our IT guys. So they ask them, "Hey, can we build that ourselves, or should we buy something?" And well, if you think about it, they have the target to, hey, of course, no, I can build it for you. I have then, I need more budgets. I need more people, headcount, and uh, more responsibility, but I can do everything for you. And we have many of those cases where they try then to build something, but largely underestimate the resources required that are also needed to maintain such a platform. I mean, building is generally done on Azure or AWS because they have a wide variety of different um, you know, microservices and subcomponents that can be constructed in a way how you like it. And that's very often good for small proof of concepts and things to try out. But as soon as you want to scale, as soon as it becomes bigger, as soon as you want to transfer one solution across different plants, then it becomes really challenging from a resource perspective. And I want to be very open with you. I mean, also Siemens underestimated that topic significantly. I mean, the investments we are required to do 
despite using AWS and Azure services uh, and also other partner services to, to expand and to adopt the platform. In order to really have an industry-grade stable platform, it, it's just very, very high. And I mean, also Siemens, when we look at the business plan, yeah, we underestimated it. Now we have it fortunately, so the, real, the effort and investment is, is not as much needed anymore. But when you think about it, we underestimated at the beginning and clever people did that. Yeah, And so also the IT guys, they think of smart home and say, think of, hey, how easy it was to maybe connect uh, their, their, their lighting at home. But it's, it's a completely different beast in the industry. And we have several examples where then customers come back uh, to us after some years of investing significant amounts of money uh, without achieving anything. Uh, so that, that really is also something that, that is important to understand how much resources you need to maintain a solution. Yeah, cool. Is there a reason why there's, because there's so many different um, tools you can buy, I say off the shelf, Not it's not always as simple as that to implement a solution, but is there a reason why why companies are still looking to to build rather than buy, buy their solutions? Because I thought that might have shifted a bit, but yeah, I'm interested in that. So I, I also think it does shift because many companies now realize that it's more difficult and that they have invested and did not achieve much. Um, but it seems so easy yeah? so because the building blocks are there and then you, you create the architecture and you, you can adopt it accordingly. So it, it, it seems easy at the outset. And then you think, okay, I save money because very often the total cost of ownership is not considered in, in complete. Yeah, they, they kind of compare then an integrated solution that is stable where all the security uh, certificates are, are there and done uh, um, and all the updates and patches are done. They compare that from a cost perspective to individual items, for example, in kind of like the marketplace of Amazon or Microsoft. So it's it's really something they, they compare chicken and eggs. Uh, how do you say? Apples and beers or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, this compare, this wrong comparison without looking also what, what is my real total cost of ownership in, in terms of how many people do I need to maintain a platform, to build on the platform? Because often they think just not far enough. They think about the connectivity. They think about first initial services. But if you look at the bigger picture further out, then really it becomes clear that this is a lot of effort and, and to get the additional functionality also included. At some point in time, very often they didn't just build kind of islands uh, or go into a one-way street and they just cannot get out of it. So that was the first part of our series looking at IoT and the upcoming technologies to look out for in the future. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe via your favorite podcast provider if you'd like to be notified about future episodes and let us know your feedback by leaving us a review. You can find out more about how Sensei can reduce unplanned downtime and contribute towards improved sustainability within your manufacturing plants by visiting Sensei.io. Thanks a lot for listening.